thank you, Kelly and Heather and Tom and Judah, for playing with us this, or for us this morning. Uh, welcome to Communitas Church. We are a church that exists to love God, to love people, and to build disciples in the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world. Uh, my name is Mike Gary. We have uh, I'm the pastor here, and we have worshipped through. Uh, just gathering, just by the very fact of our coming together, submitting to one another, opening our lives up uh, to our brothers and sisters who are here, uh, and to God who is with us. We have worshipped through singing, uh, the the proclamation of, of who God is and what He's done, put to song. And we have also worshipped uh, through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. Soon we will worship through the listening to the reading of, of the Gospels, and, uh, and the preaching of His Word. But for now, we're going to worship through communion. And uh, communion is a, is a sacred meal uh, practiced throughout... Excuse me. It's a sacred meal that has been practiced by Christians throughout church history and is... Excuse me. I wonder if the uh, cracker that I'm going to eat here in a few minutes is going to help that out. Communion is a sacred meal that has been practiced throughout church history. It's, what, it's one of the distinguishing factors of the Christian faith. And it's something that when the, uh, in, in the early church, some of the, um, the nations that were, where Christians lived, that was one of the things that the people saw was very different and kind of distinguished the people. It was weird. They, they gathered every day for the very simple meal. They broke bread, they had some wine, and then they went about their, their day. And sometimes it was on a... It was always specific times, and they'd come and they'd gather, and it wasn't very long uh, necessarily. And sometimes it was it was like before they went to work, it was after they went to work, or, and but it was it was always central, and it was something that they they always did, and they didn't forget. And part of it was, and it began to to kind of mold and shape who these people were, and it broke down various social and cultural barriers and united them as a people. And so we continue to do this today, and so we celebrate it here today, and there are churches around town, around the state, around the country, and around the world that celebrate this very meal. And we join in the greater body of Christ through the participation in this meal. And how this was instituted was was the last time that Jesus was with his friends. He ate this meal with them. And it was it was a traditional meal, but he he changed the way that it that it was done. And in doing so, he, he invited them to partake in, in not only that meal, but in, in a new way of living, in a new life, following him. We're going to read today about a narrow and a wide gate. And so Jesus invites them in through this narrow gate, which is him, and says, follow me and have life abundant with me. Join me at this table. And so for those of us who call ourselves Christians, we come to this table as a way of remembrance and as a way of continual rededication, daily renewal to say, yes, Lord, I believe that you are indeed my Savior and I will follow you by the power of your Spirit for the glory of God the Father. And so we practice open communion here. This means that you don't necessarily need to be a member of, of Communitas Church, but we, we do ask that uh, if you are a believer that you would come to the table. Uh, we invite you to do that and... Uh, and also what we do is we spend a little bit of time in reflection. We're going to take some moments to, to reflect on who is Jesus? What is, what, what is His life and how He lived? And how does that influence the way that we live ours? And then we're going to, we're going to spend some time thinking about 
Who is God the Father? Who created all things. We spend some time reflecting on, on the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. And we don't pretend to believe that all people who are here are believers. And so if you find yourself where you're kind of just kicking the tires around of, of church and this whole faith thing, you're like, I'm not really sure, I'm not really bought in, we invite you to just take some time to think about, about these things as well. Who might God be? Looking at Jesus going, okay, if this is all real, what, what does that mean for my life? And then we invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you in this time to help you discern the path of your life. So I'm going to pray for us and then uh, we're going to spend some time in silence. And then as you're ready, uh, we have no time limit on this. We're just we're here together and so we can linger in this moment. As you're ready, come forward. Grab the elements that have been placed to the left and to the right and come back to your seat. I'll read some Scripture and we'll all partake of the meal together. So Jesus, we thank You for the, the invitation to come to the table. Heavenly Father, we praise You for what You've done and the plan that You have for, for our lives and, and the way that You've crafted this story and sent Jesus as an example for how to live and, and to also to die to pay the price for our sins. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that You would speak to our hearts, break down the walls that separate us from You and from one another, and help us to love you more. Increase the abundance of our life and the generosity of our hearts that we would make you look good and we would love our neighbors well. As some of us may have gathered this past week or may gather today or gather in the future, so Jesus and his friends gathered with one another. And in a typical meal, in a typical fashion, Jesus takes the whole script and kind of turns it on his head. And what we thought, we understood, he shines new meaning on. And he takes the bread, and when he broke it, he gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Later in the meal, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for your life and for your death and the way that in your dying, our sins were forgiven. We thank you, Spirit, that by your power we're able to follow more closely after the life of, of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us our sins. And lead us in your ways that we follow you more closely and exemplify you more and more every day. Okay, so today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. Feel free, if you have a paper Bible, uh, to flip there. There's a New Testament book, so it's kind of, you know, there's only a little bit left to the right, uh, but it's the first one there. Uh, if you do not have a paper Bible with you and you want to follow along on a mobile device, that is perfectly fine. Feel free to take that out and tap, swipe, or do whatever you need to do to find it there. Um, the words will also be displayed behind us 
And uh, our friend Matt Postier is going to read those words for us. Um, before you do, Matt has been, maybe you have noticed that we've been, we've been missing some flow the last few weeks. And uh, Matt has been out in Virginia. Tell us a little bit about uh, what all you were doing out there. Yeah, so I work with a, an organization called Skiers and Snowboards for Christ, and they have the opportunity every summer to host a camp at Liberty University for two weeks, uh, and it's geared towards kids that are into freestyle skiing and snowboarding, uh, traditionally not a super welcoming like Christian environment, but this we get the opportunity to host a non-Christian camp staffed by a bunch of Christian people. Uh, at this university. So we get a lot of kids from the East Coast that come in uh, and are there to ski. And we try to kind of just pour in, like drip in Jesus as as often as we can. So that's what I do in the summers uh, for two weeks. So just got back from that. And it was a lot of fun. And yeah, it was a good time. So yeah. That's awesome. All right. So we are reading Matthew 7, 1 through 14. Judge not that you be that you be not judged for the judgment you pronounce you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be it will be measured to you why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye how can you say to your brother let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye you hypocrite first take the log out of your own eye then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you... If his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So, whenever you wish, so whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Lord, thank you for your word, that we're able to listen to it, and that by your spirit we're able to live it. And we thank you for organizations that um, creatively gather non-believers together in order that they might drip Jesus into them. And so we thank you for, for those who are here that go out and do creative things like that and, and participate in those sorts of activities and to bring your gospel uh, to those in the community and around the world. Amen. Okay, kids, is it, uh, is it time to go... Do that thing that y'all do this week about this time, usually? Yeah, it is? All right, fantastic. Well, we've got Rachel and Kristen and Pam and Sandy and Julie that have all been helping out today and will continue to help out and have a great lesson for y'all planned out that door. Feel free to head on in that direction. 
Lord, we thank You for these kids and the opportunity that we have to serve them. And we pray that we would exemplify what it looks like to live a holy life um, that is centered around grace. And we pray, Lord, that as these children grow, that they would someday also be able to preach the Gospel and live the Gospel to us and before our very eyes. Amen. Okay, so uh, some things are hard in life. Some things are easy. Sometimes the easy things get harder, and other times the hard things get easy. It all depends on what we do and how we grow. So the scene is a mountainside. And there are people that have gathered to listen. They're kind of strewn about to listen to this up-and-coming preacher and the, kind of his team of, of folks, or his production team, if you will, a little bit different than usual. They don't have the, the usual pedigree that we're all used to. Now they're giving a religious message, but none of them have ever been to seminary. Um, or any kind of Bible college. Most of them struggled to get through high school. They're uneducated. They talk weird. They smell funny. They spend a lot of time outside. And this young speaker that these people had gathered out to see, there was something compelling about him. He spoke well, but, but different than other people that spoke well. He was, he was less academic. He would talk about things that you could see out in the wilderness, flowers and trees and birds. And so whenever the people saw these things, they would remember those things, what he'd said and what he taught them and how it had changed them. And even his hands, calloused and bruised, they looked more like they'd spent time turning rocks into foundations and lumber into homes and they did like one that turned pages of books all day. But it wasn't how he looked or how he explained things or that he was different. It was what he said. Because the religious leaders of his day they spent a lot of time proclaiming a message and living a really good life. They followed all the rules and it made a lot of sense. But to the, the common everyday person just trying to get along, it felt a lot more like death than it did like life. And this is the radical piece about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We've been in it for the last few weeks and it, it encompasses Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And what Jesus is doing here is, and toward the end of the message is he's, he's wrapping everything up and he's kind of giving a, a summary statement, if you will. If he, uh, and he's just kind of making it as simple as he can for folks. Treat others well. Praise God. Examine yourself. And as Matt read today, don't judge. Be discerning. Pray hard. And hook it up for others. Don't judge, but be discerning. Pray really hard and bless the socks off your neighbor. So sometimes we have to go backward in order to go forward, to go back to the place where we knew we were 
so that we can find ourselves. And so if we look at the, the people to whom Jesus is speaking, they're not unlike, too, far, too much unlike us. Some differences, though, they, were, they, they knew their Torah really well, the first five books of the Old Testament, and they knew these, these law codes really, really well. There were like 600 different rules, and they, they knew them you know, front to forward, forward to back. And they're trying to, to earn God's favor through them. They're also looking for a specific kind of kingdom, one of military might, political power, social status, and a whole bunch of money. And they thought that if they just adhered to this code, if they just kind of went through the checklist, they went A plus B, they'd, they'd get C, and C was, was all the power, was this, this new kind of kingdom. This kingdom that they'd seen in their past. This kingdom of David rising again. But Jesus is talking about a different kind of kingdom. And he's, he starts to talk to them about how it's not about following the rules, but he says, I want, I want you to follow God. And if you follow God and if your affections and your heart is turned toward them, you're going to follow the rules naturally. Because he knows that he knows the, the heart of the human. He knows that these people, they've been, they've been called to be different. They've been called by God from the very beginning to bless the nations around them, but instead they end up looking like everyone else. So imagine that you're in this crowd. You've been trying really hard to get this whole religion or spirituality thing right. You've been, you've been reading books. You've been you know, watching these different people and you, you know, you've got some people you go, okay, that, that guy's kind of doing it right. I'm going to kind of go that way for a little while and then he gets kind of weird and then you go over and oh, I'm going to follow this guy for a little while and then and he has some kind of failure and so you, you go over and you, find, you follow this guy for a little while and, and you hear about this new guy and you're like, you know what? I've, I've followed all the smart people. Maybe I'm just going to go with this guy for a little while and just see what happens. And so you venture out onto the hillside. You pack a lunch. You got your water bottle. You sit down on a rock all day and you listen to this guy and he's talking it really starts to make sense. And he says, I'm going I'm to I'm help you understand all of the law and the prophets. I'm going to just sum it all up for you. And you're thinking, holy smokes, that would be nice. Because I know these 600 different rules, uh, but it's getting kind of tough. There's a lot to remember there, let alone follow every one of them. So yeah, Jesus, if you could just give it to me straight, what is this really about? And then you hear him say, do unto others as you'd have them do to you. If you're in a bind, and you can think, man, what would, what would be the coolest thing that could happen to me? If you see someone else in a bind, do that thing for them. Bless them to the point of amazement. It's not about doing as little as possible, but doing as much as you can. Oh, okay. Like that got a lot simpler and a lot harder all at the same time. But... All right, it's a lot easier to remember, though. So I can go with that. We can run with that. We can, now, it, it's going to take a little bit of heart work, but that's a lot easier to remember. I can do that. But now imagine that you're a religious leader. All your life, you've been, you've been hanging your hat on the fact that, man, I'm, you know, I'm a part of God's chosen people. I was born on the right day, to the right family, to the right clan, to the right nation, at the right time. I got all 
my education done. I've been following the rules. I've been doing it right. I've been working harder than, than all these jokers out there, and I've been outperforming all these jokers out here. And I'm, man, I'm, I got it all put together. And all of a sudden, this young rabbi comes up, and he's like, hey, uh, actually, this is, this is what it is. And the neat little box that you'd put religion into and thought, yeah, I can carry this around and I can, I can, I've got it. I've got a lock on this. And all of a sudden, Jesus is not only poking holes in that box, but he just rips it apart altogether. And there's a new way he's calling the people to. And all the accolades are gone. Now imagine that you're Jesus. And you're looking out and you're seeing this crowd. And you, of all people, know their hearts very, very well. You know that they've been designed for glory, but they've been entangled by sin. You know that you know, this, this very you know, spiritual system, this religious way that was supposed to, to turn them toward the Father, they've, they've just tripped up on it. They can't see where they're going. Now, in that moment, would you, would you give those people a, another checklist? Another system to follow? Or would you, would you give them a heart check? Something that's going to be a little bit trickier, that's going to take a little bit more discernment, a little more thought, a little more effort, a little more community involvement, but it's ultimately going to get them a little closer to who they've been called to to be and created to be? Or would you just give them some more rules to follow and, and just hope for the best given what you know about their history and about how they're wired? Right? You'd give them the, you'd, you'd give them the heart check. And so that's what Jesus is doing throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Is, as you notice, He's not giving a lot of specifics. When He talks, ask, seek, not. He's not getting into the, the specifics, but He's... He's giving them this heart check. He's saying, hey, look, don't, don't judge. Don't take the, the log. You know, when you've got this log sticking out of your face, don't get so concerned about the speck that's in your neighbors, but maybe, maybe look at yourself a little bit here. Let's maybe start working on, on what we've got going on. And he's also saying, hey, when you, when you look at your neighbor and, and they've, they've got this little spe- you know, this, this speck in their eye, or maybe they've got a log in their eye, but you look at them, don't just judge them and say that that's That's final. There's always hope in Jesus. So often we see people as static, as unable to change. But the Lord sees us as dynamic and knows that we, there's flexibility and that there's, there's room for improvement and that there is hope for growth and for transformation. And so he calls us to get some skin in the game. He's like, hey, look, I know that you've, you know, some of us, we've got a big log sticking out of our face. Some of us have a little small speck in the eye, but he's saying, I'm going to transform you. I want to redeem you. I want you to get some skin in the game. Ask, seek, knock, ask in prayer. Seek, you know, what is within to, to discern what is going on in your life and knock on the door of the kingdom of God. We are supposed to be a people that, that blesses the, na- the nations around us. And in some ways, we've done that. If you look throughout Christian history, there, the church has done some very radical and amazing things. But at times, one, um, one observer made a comment one time that the history of the, of the Christian people is the history of a people who have not observed the Sermon on the Mount. 
And so I think when we, when we start to look at kind of our checklist, or our benchmark of what we want to do, how we want to be, what we want to do, how we're going to live, I think sometimes it, it helps us to come back to the Sermon on the Mount and kind of run ourselves through that, that spiritual heart check and allow the Spirit to work within us and, and convict us of what's going on within. Because it's a lot more difficult to squirrel our way out of that. Because sometimes we go through the checklist, you can go, yep, I did that, did that, did that, I must be good. But Jesus says, no, I want you to, to live a life that when it's given, you've gained. If you're going to have life to the full, you've got to make sure that your neighbor has what they need. If you want to be rich, you've got to give away. He's kind of turning the, the world's usual way of looking at the economy on his head. While we were far, God came near. He says, if you want life, lose it. Self-denial and self-examination to look into your neighbor's bowl and to make sure that they have enough. And so when he starts to speak about the narrow gate versus the wide gate, this is, a, this is Matthew saying, hey, look, there's, it's going to be really easy for us to, to kind of take the moral low road. That's the really wide gate, right? Like, I mean, we spend some time, how easy is it to do the wrong thing? You know, you're sitting around with, with friends at, at the break room or, you know, at the, out on the job site. It's real easy to badmouth the boss, badmouth that person that nobody likes. It's far more difficult to take the high road to stay above reproach and to, vent, to, and to defend honor and dignity, isn't it? To, to try to see people the way that the Lord sees them. Designed by God. Created in His image. And so He calls us to ask, to seek, and to knock. And conjures up these images of, of who we are as people and to get back to who we've been created to be. People that have been set in the garden. If you remember when we went through Casket Empty and we talked about this redemptive narrative, he's saying we were, we were called to, to be image bearers of God and that the way of our being should match the truth of our being. How we act should match what we've been called to do. And often we want to get back to the garden we think, oh, if we could just get simpler. But we, we also look that we're moving toward a city in Revelation where all things are being made new. And when, when we read about, when Matt read that part about ask and seek and knock, notice that Jesus isn't giving us very many specifics there, is he? He leaves it a little bit open-ended, open to creative license. Or if you're a poor English student, poetic license if you didn't use your grammar correctly in high school like I did. And so you're saying, man, think about the incredible ways that you can proclaim the gospel. Think about the things that, you know, if you're in a bind that someone would do to you, or, or if you, even if you weren't in a bind, how do we bless our neighbor? How can you do it in such a way that, that makes the rest of the world look on with wonder and go, yeah, I want some of that? Uh, the opportunity to, uh, to witness this a few weeks ago, I, I was driving um, back up here and, and um, pulled onto the on-ramp, and I got to the top of the on-ramp, and uh, without any squeaking or without much of a warning, all of a sudden I started to hear this noise, and I'm going, I think that's my serpentine belt. I think that just split in half and is spinning around the pulleys on the side of my car. Not a great day. But if you are going to break down on the side of the road when it's 90 degrees outside, I strongly recommend that you do that within walking distance of an O'Reilly's Auto Parts. 
also very handy if you do it on the uphill. You just put it in neutral and you just coast back down the hill. And as I'm coasting back down the hill so that I can walk across and more easily get the tools that I need at O'Reilly's, this car pulls up behind me and I think, oh, this is cool. I'm going to you know, see what this guy says. And he comes out and he says, hey, do you, do you need a hand? And I said, well, at, the, at present I've got to walk across the street. It's probably going to be another 20 minutes before I'm even able to, to put this belt on. You know, so if you want to stick around, that's great, but it's kind of hot, you know, whatever. And, and he said, well, I'm not really, not really, you know, too helpful. So, uh, you know, sounds like you got under control. Good luck. And I remember as I'm coasting down the hill, I'm thinking, God, I, I just really would be great if like somebody could come by and help me. Because like, I'm usually the guy that's pulling over, at least checking, but I've seen all these cars go by. And it's like, God, if just somebody could just ask, that would be great. And so this guy comes by and he's like, you know, do you need a hand? Not, nah, you know, I think, I think I'll get it, but, you know, I might need a hand, but it's a ways away and it's hot outside. So, you know, whatever, we'll figure it out. Get my parts. I'm, I'm sitting there and, and all of a sudden I hear this, this, the blower of a big motor and I'm like, oh man, is this, like, am I about to be harassed by someone else? And, uh, and sure enough, these, these public safety folks had come up and they had the lights on. They said, we're just going to stand here so that, you know, nobody rear ends you while while they turn onto the onto the road and uh we're not really much for mechanics but if you you know need a hand or something like that we you know we could probably give you a hand and oh, okay that sounds good and then so i'm taking things apart and all of a sudden they say hey do you know somebody in a in a you know and they described this car that had come up previously i said yeah there was a guy that came by earlier like, oh i think he's back and so the same person that had left 20 minutes ago had come back with three bottles of water and said hey man it's hot and uh i just you know i don't really know much about cars but I had some bottled water at the house. Are you thirsty? As a matter of fact, yeah, my heat tolerance is about 75 degrees. We're 15 degrees over that, and I'm sweating like a pig. Yes, that would be great. And so as I'm under the car, and, and one of the other people is up on the top trying to help me get this belt in place, the, the two other life safety officers are speaking with this other gentleman, and, and they you know, say, oh, you know, what do you all do? What's going on? And he says that he works for this company that has kind of a biblical-sounding name to it. And the person says, oh, like this book out of the Bible. And they begin to talk, and it turns out that this other man's a Christian. And so while I'm sitting there putting the serpentine belt on with this other person who goes to this recovery church in the area, this other gentleman gets to talk about his experience with the church with these other two people just standing on the side of the road in the 90-degree heat. That's a pretty awesome day. We'll call that a win. And so we are people who have been called to live a life that demands an explanation. And when given the opportunity, we're to give it. Just like this gentleman did without, you know, so he comes back. He says, I usually don't do this, but I just I felt compelled to. And then as a result, he gets to sit there and talk to some folks about his experience with his church and what Jesus is doing in his life. Required no programming. For him, it, was, it cost him three bottles of water. And just a little bit of creativity. Ask, seek, knock. Find the kingdom of God. Because the world is jacked up and broken and it's waiting for us as Christians to step in and bring the remedy. Alexander Servius, the, uh, or Severus, the emperor in Rome from... 222 to 235 wrote this maxim of Jesus's on his wall in stone. Treat others as you would like to be treated. Not a believer, but there was something compelling about this. 
an unbelieving world looking in and saying, I, I'm not really sure how to do this, but I, I know that it's right. And so will that become the core of communitas? Will that become written on our hearts? Only if we as members choose to do that in our daily lives. We sang a song that says, lead us back to life in you. That's entering through the narrow gate. And so if you get a chance this week, I'd encourage you to, to read the Sermon on the Mount. Just Matthew 5-7. to Just try to get through it in one sitting. If you don't want to read it, you can go online. Um, the ESV has a, right on YouTube, you can, you can listen to Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. Do that while you drive down the road. Don't YouTube it on the, while you're driving, though. And as you do so, begin to think about what is the log in your eye? What is the sin that is entangling you and making it so that you can't even, you can't even see that you've got a log? in your eye. Who is helping you see that? Who are you letting look at the speck in your eye before it festers into a log? Who's coming along beside you and who are you allowing you to help remove the log? To whom do you owe an apology? What does asking, seeking, and knocking look like in your life? As you pray for God's kingdom to come, and you pray for yourself, do we, are we praying that we would have more or that we would be more? Are we inviting the Spirit to critique our life and help us to be more discerning about the ways we're to grow and to who He's calling us to be? And how are we hooking it up for our neighbor? As we look around the community and we recognize places that need help, that are broken, people that are hurting. Last week we talked about the schools, the jail, new pathways, the soup kitchen. Things that are just very immediate and very close to where we are right here. What are some ways that we can, we can hook it up for our neighbors? Just bless the socks off of them and make it so they would think there's no way we could get by without the church. And even for the neighbors in your neighborhood, what are the ways that we extend our hand to them in, in a way that they would look on and say, I'm not sure what is going on in that person's life, but it's different, and I want some of that. Lord, we thank you for the invitation to come to the narrow gate. We know that it is difficult to find, and we're grateful that by your Spirit we're able to seek it out. Lord, we pray that you would continue to make us as believers ones who continue to daily seek out that narrow gate and that by your Spirit we be transformed more and more into your image and that the broken world looking on would see the compelling nature of your way of living and follow you. As we gather to scatter, may you be a people May we be a people who enter through the narrow gate. And as we do so, may we spread it wide that others would follow us in and that we would daily and continually be transformed by the power of the blood of Jesus. 
Join us for some coffee and treats in the back. Have a great week. Go in peace.